Son Kearney on to his right foot and he cracks it home. Brilliant finish from Harrison Reed. Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under. Here today joined by a dog who may may or may not have got into the intro there, but also joined by Sam. How are you going? I see that's yeah, yeah, no, she's an asshole. She's such an asshole. She's just come off she's just come off medication and me and Paris were like, oh okay, so she's terrible because she's on medication. Now that she's clean. She's just even worse. So we're just, I, we, I just have a dog with a terrible personality. And I'm happy to be here. What's up? And dad, no no dogs barking in the background at your place? No, but that was very funny. I, it, the funny part about it is that probably no one will even hear that, but we all heard it as we were going live. And it was extremely funny. Just stop. Yeah, it probably didn't yeah. translate very well. <laughs> snuck right in the back yeah it's probably just us talking about some random stuff that happened just before the podcast started but that's the joy of going live i guess isn't it um sure. here today guys we're going to discuss uh there's quite a lot of stuff that actually happened uh we're back after the international break um you know we we're coming up against tottenham we weren't really expecting much out of the game and uh look we'll, we'll talk through the result but the big news i guess off the back of the game and in the last 24 hours or so is Marco Silva signing his new contract. We will get on and discuss that um, in a bit more detail, but um, Dad, I'll throw to you first. It, it's sort of a bit of a yin and yang after a pretty disappointing loss off the back of a couple of mistakes and then getting some good news straight off the back of that as well. Yeah. Do you think that was staged in properly proper WWE sort of sequencing? Uh, it felt like we could have some bad news here. How can we actually bury this and turn it around? But, um, yeah, look, um, look, we were very optimistic and hopeful uh, coming into the Spurs game, or maybe we were just celebrating um, a bit of Ange Postacoglu fever. Um, but I think, you know, we, we, we had reason to be hopeful. We had a good outing against them earlier. And um, it was a it was a tough fixture, <clears throat> probably really accentuated by the fact that we were really undermanned at the back, and it mm-hmm. it showed. Yeah, Sammy, um, as Dad said, we we definitely struggled at the back, um, but you know we were pretty confident going into this game, not overly so, but I think. We all saw a bit of an opportunity in an opening, despite the fact that I think after that win, Postacoglu is picked up the most points of any manager in the Premier League history in their first nine games. He's got 23 or 25 points, something ridiculous mm. like that. So he, he's really flying at the moment. And Spurs, they're, they're a good side, but I, I don't think they looked um, you know, a million miles ahead of us. Bar the couple of mistakes, I thought we actually played okay. I thought I thought we played really well, but I, I mean, I I probably respectfully disagree with you. I uh, I I was watching the game and I was just borderline taken back a little bit by just how well run Spurs actually were, because I don't necessarily think um, the talent gap is massively different between our players and their players, but like there's just something about them the way that they were moving the ball the way that they were telegraphing basically everything that we were doing um a real like um for for the neutral fan genuinely a really really good first half of football like genuinely a really really good game like i'll be honest like there's some there's sometimes when i'm just re-watching um the highlights of like um games and watching the full 90 minutes where i'll like speed through some bits because um, it, in modern life, there's only so much time that I have, but I just felt that I was really, really grabbed by like this entire game. And yeah, we didn't necessarily get the result that we want, but I think, um, given the performance that we gave and Tottenham gave, yeah, like we had some mistakes and then Tottenham took advantage of them. But I think that's, that's just what's going to happen when you play against really, really well-worked teams. But you know what? This game could have been four nil if it was mm-hmm. I don't know a Sheffield United, and so I don't think we were completely embarrassed. I don't know, maybe you guys disagree with that, but yeah, I thought I just thought it was a really good game. 
I thought I thought they prepared really really well for us. Yeah. Um, I, it, it, you know, none of these things. They're kind of open secrets. I think if you look at the way really good teams come at us and press us hard, we do look vulnerable. We do look uh, kind of a level be- below when we're pressed really, really hard. And then, of course, there's the case of how do we score goals? Um, and even if you can keep the ball out of your own net, you do have to score goals to get points, generally. Mm-hmm. Generally. And... Yeah. Um, Look, it's but, it's uh, a very anyway. good Spurs side. Um, I, I don't think I, I I wasn't disagreeing with you, there, Sammy. I I completely agree. It's a good Spurs side, and I think um, Postecoglou's done a great job with them so far. They are very well drilled, and I, I do think man for man, they are, they have a much better squad than than Fulham have. We sure. have a couple of players yeah. who, would, who would challenge a few positions. Like I think Polina probably walks into that team, but apart from that, maybe Leno is the only other player who'd get a bit of a look in. Um, mm. Really, then it's it's you know evens or Spurs definitely a better side than us. And look, it, the 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 mark of a good side, and we see it all the time. We saw it especially in the championship when we had that amazing season. A, a mark of a good side is just capitalising on the mistakes from the opposition. And we made totally. two pretty glaring mistakes, and we conceded two goals from it. Um, mm. Unfortunately, we haven't been quite as clinical this year uh, in taking those chances when they present themselves. Um, and, you know, that's why Spurs are up the top of the table and we're sitting mid-table at the moment. But, look, um, let, let's let talk about the mistakes themselves. Um, I mean, I say mistakes, we could talk about it as one singular mistake because uh, the, the two goals came from almost the exact same situation. Calvin Bassey playing on his unpreferred side, uh, giving the ball away after a high press from Spurs and Spurs basically... <laughs> having a very easy run at goal pretty much both times. Um, Dad, I'll start with you first. There's been a lot of chat on social media and even in the press as well about where the fault lies for this. So obviously it would be easy to blame Bassi because he's the one playing the pass. But do you think some blame has to lie with Silva here for playing Bassi out of position? We know he's a, a left back and a left centre back, if you will, as well. Do you feel like maybe we should have looked at a different kind of setup and maybe Tim Ream plays in that right centre-back position or, or do you think Bassey should have done better in both of those situations? I've, I'm have i really trying to resist the... Uh, and actually, I don't have that strong an urge to criticise Bassey because I thought for the most part he had a pretty good game and I like him yeah. and mm. I feel very sorry for him having to fill in for Issa Diop on his non-preferred side. And he's not, you know, he's not Tom Kearney without a right foot. But, geez, when you've got three pressing you really through, four pressing you very hard and really putting you under the pump and an insistence um, in your team and, and, and your manager to play out from the back, that's asking a lot. And mm. you could you could mm. argue that... Um, you know, Leno kind of set him up pretty badly and I think was the first goal, kind of sent him hard to to the corner and the touchline where he had, he had nowhere to go. And um, he it was a poor pass out to, I think it was Lukic, who was a long way away from him as well, making it even more difficult for him. But I was thinking to myself, wouldn't it have been interesting to have got the team sheet and then be discussing this? Because I wonder um, how you'd feel. And i tell you what I'd be thinking, not just because I'm a, a bit of a fan, but would we have been better actually of selecting Luke de Fougerolles as a genuine right footer? I know it's a baptism of fire for him and a massive step up. But, geez, he has got a – his right foot is infinitely better than Bassi's right foot. Um, and that's the side. And you, you guys, I'm sure, would have seen in the post-press that um, Spurs had a very deliberate plan to pressurise him. They they recognised mm. it as a weak spot, and they, they were smart enough to actually push him onto his wrong foot, which caused two goals. There's no other way to say it. So I, I – look – you asked whether it's Silver's fault. Silver's in a corner. It, it speaks to the depth or lack of depth of our squad. 
that we don't have another legit right back. Obviously, it's unlucky with Tosin. He is in the squad, but he's injured. Um, and, um, yeah, maybe, and it's easy to say that, but maybe in hindsight, uh, young Luke de Fougerolles would have actually been a better gamble. I'm not sure if I fully agree. I think, I think honestly, probably one of the safest things we could have done is probably put um, de Fougerolles and Bassi in there and have a three at the back. Um, just because, just because I've really, I really, really, really like Bassey. I really, really, really like Bassey. I really like what he actually adds to the team, but at the same time, I feel that he wasn't properly supported, um, a lot during the game. And I don't feel that like he should have been really in the position that he was put into. And I know he doesn't, we don't have the control over that moment because we don't have the depth. To facilitate uh because uh it we Tosin's injured apparently Diop's injured so I would have I would have gone for a restructuring and yeah I know I know that gave Jack whiplash but at the same time at the same time uh you want to allow Bassey to have some flexibility and be allowed to kind of charge forward or at least have somebody kind of be able to like sit back a little bit there with him I just, I just felt that he's not fully Premier League ready yet, but at the same time, nor should he be because he's only been in the Premier League for like what six games, like eight games. Uh, you don't change your whole setup though defensively for to bring one player in. I think going to three at the back would have been drastic and, and a huge change, yeah, and so we're totally not used to. And I think that would have had a, seen us fall apart completely. It, it really. If if you think Bassey isn't ready, then Tim Ream should be stepping across and going, okay, I've I've been playing in the Premier League for the last eighteen months. I'll step across and play out of position. Bassey plays in position, and you go like that. I, I'd I'd agree as well, actually, that you probably giving Defugeroles a run probably wouldn't have been the worst idea. The only thing I can think of is pretty harsh on the on the old confidence coming in for your Premier League debut against the team who are top of the league and scoring goals going forward and, and a very attacking side. It would be a bit of a baptism by fire, and I, I understand why they might try and avoid that. Mm. One positive I, I can actually... You know what, though? I think there's some people... I think in the general sense you're right, but I think it, it, it obviously we don't know the guy, but it just I get a sense that Luke de Fougerolles is the kind of player who actually can step up. I think he's fearless. I think he's really fearless. And I don't think he has a confidence problem at all. Well, clearly there's a I big, agree, big but, step but up. I think you don't want to start your career on a run of five but, losses, but, for example, but, as a defender. We've, we've got a desperate problem with two of our principal players who play right centre back injured. You've got a really serious problem. And so you choose, do I play uh, a young kid who's, actually been selected for his country and could come up against a major country and okay didn't play but um you know or, or, or do you play a guy on his wrong foot who isn't two-footed i mean if castagna was asked to play in that position i know he's not a center back but he's genuinely two-footed and i don't think would have had anywhere near the same problems but it's you know Big, 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 smart teams, well managed and well prepared, are going to find you out, and they did. I think, I think, I think Bassey. I, I kind of prefer Bassey over Defugerol at this stage, just because I do kind of agree. I do think um, Defugerol has like a, a steeliness and a bit of maturity um, over Bassey, but. I want to give Bassi the time to actually gain that um, maturity because I feel that like he he he's he's not there yet. He can't telegraph like the Premier League as well. But I do think he's the better player, and I think once he comes good, we're gonna have a really serious player there. So I'd rather give him the time. And it's not in the same kind of way of like Jimenez giving him time. You can really see it in Bassi. I don't actually think this performance is going to actually phase Bassi too much. He just doesn't strike yeah. me as that. He, he, just, he just doesn't strike me as that type of person. I feel like, and I really love that 
because I feel that um, if, say, for example, Defugerol was in the exact same position and the exact same thing happened to him, I'm not necessarily sure if he would bounce back as well. Now, it's still early stages because we kind of don't really know both of these players. But from everything that I've seen of Bassi, I feel that all of his confidence is very self-made and within him. Um, and yeah, I want I want to give that as many opportunities. I don't know. There's one other thing that crossed my mind. There was another change made from our typical defensive midfield setup um, where Lukic was started. And honestly, that didn't really work for me on the night. And, um, you know, may, maybe that put undue pressure or uh, maybe the shield to the back four wasn't effect, as effective as it might otherwise have been. Yeah, yeah possibly. Uh, I think the other option that we saw used in preseason as well could have been that you play Polina at centre-back and then play Reed alongside yeah. Lukic in defensive I, midfield. He's too important for us in midfield, though. Well, I mean, going forward, you allow him to then – you basically do sort of play effectively three at the back and have him drop back into defence when we're defending. That's that's a um, big change. It's a big change in our system. It is, but it's what we did in pre-season. So I, I reckon Silver maybe knowing that Tosin was – out the door and assuming that we weren't going to be signing too many extra players has actually started to prepare for that eventuality. But I, I agree. I, I prefer to see Polini there, but if we're talking about someone who could fill that gap, he's probably the best bet if you don't have Tosin or Diop available mm. in, in terms of someone who can, who can do a job there. Um, anyway, moving forward into the game, we, we sort of covering off on the, the mistakes there, I think in the two goals, which, Admittedly, we're very well taken by Spurs. Um, not a huge amount we can do there. But looking at the the front half of the team, there's a couple of things I want to touch on. Um, Andreas Pereira, I thought, again, was kind of anonymous. Had had a pretty poor game, I thought. Um, and I just wonder what you guys think about when when is the time that we look at actually making a change? Because I thought Iwobi came on and really changed the game and had a lot of impetus going forward. Do you think it's time that Pereira gets switched out and we see a Wobi start or, or even Wilson maybe start in that attacking midfield spot? Um, I, I feel personally for me, I think there needs to be a change. Sam, you got anything? I got plenty. Uh, well, I was going to, I was going to, I was going to give you the floor because <laughs> I, well, I, I, I kind of do agree. I feel like it would probably be good to give Iwobi a chance because I do feel that creatively he adds a little bit more. I really like the structure that we play with when um, we have Andreas. But again, I think that was largely dependent on when we had Mitrovic and a better quality striker or at least a striker that can kind of create more chances. At this stage, um, uh we need to essentially have as much creativity in and around those strikers. So we've, I feel that like we've kind of like flip reverse for having like a central point to, we really should be um, having better options in and around that. And then uh, Vinicius and Jimenez, no, oh, there's a spider down there. Um, Vinicius and Jimenez are facilitating uh, that as much as possible. I thought I, I know we're kind of, I know I'm veering off topic, but I don't care. But um, I, I I wasn't really happy with William and BDR starting on um, left and right wing. I feel that that was a real missed opportunity to have um, Harry Wilson there and potentially a Wobi or someone else. I don't know. It just didn't really fit very well for the first thirty minutes. I thought it worked well, but. Over the yeah, we, we, of the we will game, we will get to the wingers because I think there's there's changes needed across uh, the the selection was a bit baffling for me across the whole sort of front four if you take Pereira, um, Vinicius and the two wingers. Yeah, um, Dad, your thoughts though on on Pereira himself because I, I I do agree with Sam in a way. I think the one thing Pereira really gives us is um, a, a really good quality set piece taker. And so taking him out of the side does remove our sort of primary corner taker, primary free kick taker as well. But it just feels like he's he's in a slump at the moment and, and changes have to come eventually. Well, I, I totally agree with that point. Um, 
but I, but I, I think I've got this overwhelming frustration that there's so many players who I'd like a hybrid of. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I love Wobi's energy. He's a bit chaotic. He makes, uh, he, he, he provides a lot of options. He puts himself about. He's a bit of a firecracker, but he, his end product isn't that great. Um, when when um, when Andreas is off the field and there's a free kick or a corner, I, I, I do find myself thinking, oh, you know, obviously um, if Tom Kearney's on the field, he's a, a, a very good deputy and Willian's a pretty deft free kick taker as well and corner. Mm. But I, I actually think Pereira... He he has very very good skills in that regard, and I I do think when it's working for us from set pieces, he's he's a real weapon. Um, oh, he's also he's also a very good presser. Actually, he does work quite hard, but he sort of drifts out of games from time to time. He does go mm-hmm. a bit MIA, and so it's a bit frustrating that. But 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 maybe that just is so typical of who and where we are as a mid-team kind of a squad because we, we don't have, you know, Champions League type players up and down the, the spine. So you're, you're, you're always going to be kind of looking upwards in terms of I wish I could, I wish he was type type situations. And God forbid when they have a, a form slump, it, it's even more frustrating. But look, I, I think... It is a form thing. It's not a quality thing. Look at how good Andreas was for big, big parts of last season. He was outstanding. I, I remember, as I said last week, going back over those um, season highlights or goal highlights, he, he played a huge part in so many really, really good quality goals. And mm. uh, I, I'm i a long way from binning that project. I think he's he's really, really good. I, I, I also like Awobi a lot, but I'm not sure in this current configuration of squad members that we really know where he best fits. Mm. Sammy, um, we saw half a game from Vinny, half a game from Jimenez. Um, has it made the striker situation any clearer in your mind? <laughs> Honestly, I feel like after this game, it's become less clear than it was before. <laughs> um, which I, 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 I'm really upset about. Like, I would, this would be an amazing time to just have just like a random 19 year old just appear out of nowhere and just like. Um, what was the name of that boat um, kid what, from you mean Barca? Marshall Gotto or or Jay yeah, legit or no or that kid from Barca who like came on within like the first like s- like seven seconds and just scored immediately over like the weekend and just being like that's our answer, you know? Um, yeah. I just well, just... I, absolutely true, Sam. I, I actually think Jay Stansfield or Marshall Gotto, 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 um, yeah, yeah. have got far more likelihood because they're genuine strikers and they may mm. they, they're unproven at this level but they actually are that player and they may just just like we were having the conversation around Luke de could he could he could he not they've got just as good a chance of stepping up and actually coming off like I mean for me probably Stansfield more than um Gotto, because like at least Stansfield has had some experience in the Premier League. I imagine that would probably be pretty daunting for um, Gotto, but you know, you never really know. But one thing I can say with quite a lot of confidence is I like, I really like the person Vinicius is, what he brings to the team, but I like him off the bench. He's not, I, I, I would love to sit here and say that he can play a full 90 minutes. Bless him, he can't. He's amazing for maybe like 20 minutes on a really, really solid day. Jimenez, you're a lovely, lovely man. But um, that's the, that's the worst Arabia, thing you can say about someone. That is the worst really, thing you can lovely say about personality. He's really nice. He's really, really nice. <laughs> Saudi Arabia is lovely this time of year. You know, um, get yourself a really fat paycheck if you can 
if you can swindle it for yourself. I would, I would love, I would really love for the redemption to be true and the fairy tale to exist. But um, uh, it's, it's just not Shrek two. It's Shrek the fourth I mean, right now. You know. I mean, you've, you, you, you got to give us credit. We have backed the optimistic train here. We wanted to believe. We really, really have spun it in every possible way in a in a, in a, in a positive sense. Um, because we really wanted to believe, because what other choices do we have? We've got two guys um, who we have to fashion a solution out of. It's not working. It's not working. It just doesn't look like working. It's mm. really bad. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, Jack. let's wrap up the game and then get on to something that's sort of um, – linked to it. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'll just run through some of the stats from the game. Um, Spurs with 56% possession, Fulham with 44%. 15 shots for Spurs to Fulham's 10. Five shots on target from Spurs, Fulham with three shots on target. Spurs, 593 passes to Fulham's 463. Three corners for Spurs to Fulham's five and 10 fouls for Spurs to Fulham's 14. Uh, A quick check on the league table. Fulham sitting in 13th place. I mean, we, we, we're not moving forward, but at the same time, the bottom sides, Burnley, Bournemouth and Sheffield United, still seem fairly locked into the bottom of the table there. Luton alongside them are picking up a few points here and there, but um, they're not exactly screaming and um, coming right up our rear at, the, at this stage at least. So the 11 points we're sitting on seem fairly good at the moment. I think the game against Brighton this weekend is going to be a very big one and a very important one. And we will sort of touch on that before we move on. Um, But what I do want to talk about is the big news that came out, which is the Marco Silva signing his uh, contract extension. It was announced, I think on Tuesday afternoon, Um, Silva signing a three-year deal. So extended through to 2026. We obviously know that um, his current contract was up at the end of the season. Um, so it's really good to see that he has committed. And look, I, I tweeted about this, and for me, it speaks a little bit more than just your manager signing on for a, a couple more years because he's had a good run. We mm. we sort of know that the relationship Silver has with the Khans and with the club, and how he often voices his frustration at the fact that he's um, not getting back to the transfer market. He wants more players in. He's not overly happy with it. So the fact that he signed a contract, to me, I, I don't think the club have come forward and said, here's, you know, quadruple your salary for a new contract and he's just signed it because it's all about the money. I think Silva's been backed here and he's got some sort of, you know, agreement or acknowledgement from the Khans that they need to spend some money. So I don't know what you guys think, but I think this actually signals that there could be some business coming in January and definitely a lot of business coming in the summer. Sammy? I truly think that Silva wouldn't have re-signed if he wasn't given at least some type of assurances. Even if he was given yeah. like a shitload of money, I mean, you can get that in Saudi Arabia and like there's plenty of like teams in the Premier League that could probably do with a manager of the quality of Marco Silva. Even even in like even in the Spanish league or like um uh, the German league at the moment, like I, I'm I'm a massive, massive believer and advocate that I think managers in this day and age are actually more important than individual players by a country mile because I think everybody in everybody in the Premier League is an amazing, incredible athlete that is really just waiting for the right manager to be able to utilize them in the best possible way. I just really, really hope that um Silver has said, I want this guy, this guy, this guy. Um, uh, I don't know who those people are, <laughs> um, but I just really, really want him to get the players that he needs that are his first choices and not his C choices, his B choices, his first choices, and that they actually spend some money. And to be honest, I'm actually kind in a, in a bit of a weird way. I think us kind of struggling and being towards the back end of the Premier League table. I know it's compacted at the bottom and that's a massive plus for us, 
but we cannot rely on that. And I, I really hope that it's kind of scared the cons into being like, okay, life without Mitrovic, we ain't coping and we can't keep this up. So I really hope this is the shot of adrenaline that we've been uh, needing and hoping for. I actually think there's something in that, Sam. I think a, a disastrous window, a really terrible commercial window mm. and not notwithstanding we did do some uh, we did make some signings and they're good players but it, it was underwhelming and 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 way below what we thought not only what the fans of the football club want but what we believed Marco Silva had ambition for and you're right I think obviously no one could have fully predicted the fact that Mitro was going to walk out the door and the effect that that would have on our chances in this season and a lack of signings and, you know, not great business in general has put us under pressure. And and perhaps the Khans weren't actually thinking they were going to find themselves in that position. Maybe they thought they'd kind of bluff it and get away with a comfortable mid-table uh, outcome without spending a lot of money. But really, it, it hasn't worked. And it's probably played perfect into, into Marco's hands with his A's re-signing. And actually, um, I was kind of thinking, you know, everyone's got a threshold. As much as he has ambition, there would Absolutely. be a number that he would that he would go, okay, I'll take the money. But he had that opportunity, um, mm. albeit with Saudi. It's not the same. A, a, a club offering him a lot of money to stay as a prestigious Premier League manager um, might still be tempting if he didn't have a great squad. I don't know. There would be a point at which it would still be a good deal, right? Because mm. you get to buy a new house. But um, I, I think he's playing a longer game than that. He must be absolutely filled with confidence for what he can achieve. Mm. So I don't think he for one moment feels like he can't get another job in the Premier League. And I think the Khans know it. So he held all the cards. And, yeah. um, Look, I, I yeah. think this is can only be seen as a positive um, across the board, not just because you're securing your manager for a, a significant amount of time, especially going into a, a sort of tough run of fixtures as well, where we, like we said, there is a possibility that we don't win a game in six and to see your manager backed, right at the start of that, considering all the issues that have sort of arisen around his contract is good to see, but it, it, it speaks to stability of your manager. It speaks to maybe Silva saying, I actually want us to work really hard to try and secure Polina for the long term. And he signed an extension. Let's see if we can actually hold him for even longer. Let's uh, look the, the, it's quite possible that all the analysts at the start of the season looked at the three teams who've come up and said, these teams aren't going to be challenging too high up the Premier League. So all we need to do is finish above four other teams realistically to be safe. And and so this season can be seen as a rebuild season and the Khans have maybe looked at that and gone, that means we don't need to spend that much money. Silver will then be going, I, I want us to spend a little bit more. I need a striker because we didn't foresee the Metro situation coming in. Look, I, I, I feel like things seem to sort of be sliding into place a little bit now and I can see a bit of a path forward. Uh, it's been pretty murky for the last six months, I'd say. When we lost Mitro, we weren't sure about Polina. Silva was holding back on a contract. We didn't spend any money. All of a sudden, this announcement sort of puts to bed quite a lot of rumours and things that have been floating around in the background. And I think... You, you have to take this as a huge positive that there are there are positive changes coming in the future. I don't know about you guys as well, but I'm really, really fascinated and interested to see um, none of this like dicking around for like the best possible deal and literally hopefully that um, Silver gets the players that he wants. And I want to see what that squad is because if that squad isn't necessarily great and you know what, he actually... I, I can never believe it. But um, if he was like, nah, Rail's the, my number one pick, um, and then it goes to shit and he can't really like foresee the right type of players. I mean, this is the guy who found Rich Allison, so I don't really believe that fully. But I, I really want to know what a fully constructed Marco Silva Fulham team is. 
fully I, I, funded I, I, Marco Silverstein. Yeah, but like unlimited, also like unlimited funds. Vision. Go for it. Go for yeah, it. What's your vision? I want to. I want to know what that is. I want to know what that is. I really hope I see it. Um, and I really hope that the cons, I uh, don't have the similar transfer it's, model system that they've it's had. Probably the, last the years. Argentinian squad. Well, look, I, I'd say re- realistically, like you said earlier, Sammy, I think Silver would have had a list of players saying, I want to sign these guys. And the signature on my contract basically hangs on us signing those guys. Mm. And so I don't think we'll be, um, you know, hammering away and trying to get the best possible deal and leaving it to the last minute if that's the case. If Silver said, I'm can, signing can a just... contract to get these guys. Can... Can we mark the minutes that that this that you you're you're making this statement so we can go back to it? Well, uh, I, I mean, it's, it's still still very possible that we we won't sign them till late in the window because maybe the Khans have said, okay, you've got these players. These are how how much do you think they're worth? This is how much we think they're worth based on the analytics, and this is our final price. And so maybe it does still take time to get them, but at least you feel like they would have sat down and nutted out in a meeting and said, these are the players we want and, you know, had a handshake at the end of it and saying, right, if we want, I don't, I can't name a player off the top of my head. Someone like, um, Joshua Zaxi from Man United and, and said, yeah. look, so Silver says, I really want him. The Khans are sitting down as well. And they say, yep. Yeah, okay. Happy with that. That's fine. Um, we're willing to pay 25 million for him. And Silver says, I, I think we should only go to 20 million or, or he's worth 30. So we have to push to 30. But at the end of the day, they sh- they've shaken hands at the end of this meeting and he signed a contract. So no matter what, I think they've come to an agreement and they're on the same page at this point. So that, so. that for me is so. a big positive um, because sure. it seems like there was a massive disconnect there for a long time. And Silver would say something, the club would do the complete opposite effectively. So it feels like we're in a better place now going forward. And I really hope that that is reflected in our January business and just the way that Silver is backed in general. Like we might see some more contract extensions coming in the next couple of months before the January period comes. Um, or, or we might see some some loans. And yeah, it's it's tough to say what's going to happen next, but it's it's kind of exciting. This This was felt like really good news after a bit of a disappointing game against Spurs. Yeah, I just yep. hope that Tony's not playing career mode on FIFA anymore and basing all of his logic off of that. I hope Shat. No, he's I hope not playing FIFA. He's playing AEW, whatever their silly game is. Exactly, um, exactly. But I just hope she had turned off the PlayStation and just been like, no, just let Marco <laughs> do it. Let's have a quick look before we move on and discuss the um, Fulham women's recent uh, victory. We'll look at the Fantasy League. I know Colm has been bugging me constantly and he's joined us on the live stream today because he's doing very well so far um we have uh dominic q smith uh with his team currently sitting top on 600 points um wesley boxall with mitrovision sitting in second place just five points behind and ac mellon uh jonathan peachy's team on 588 points in third place colm sitting very nicely in sixth place there on 573 points um so yeah please do Keep engaging with us on the fantasy, and like I said, we will organise some sort of uh, prize come the end of the season for whoever finishes top. So I think Colm's going to be keeping a very close eye on that for the rest of the season. How's your fantasy going, Dad? Oh, really good. I was just thinking my mind had turned more to what prize we were going to have, actually, because I'm uh, uh, I've got a couple of dirty coffee cups on my desk here. Would would that do? Wow, you're really selling it. Really selling I mean, it. It's probably it's probably a kink for someone, but not for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, it's all right. You're, it, it doesn't matter because you're not going to be winning that one, so we're all good there. Um, <laughs> although surprisingly, you're not doing as badly as some people are. Um, Wait, where's that? I'm actually, I'm actually trying, and Sam, you're only I, just behind me as well. Really? My- Mate. My effort. Wait, where am my, I? My my objective is to set my team up at the start, make no changes, and just see how it actually. It's a bit like buying crypto, isn't it? And and just trying to trade the market or just buying it and holding. Here is my that, effort that levels. Is... I have been listening to the audiobook Sapiens, and I forgot that I still had a team. 
Dad is currently <laughs> sitting fifty uh, second out of fifty six, although he is ahead of um, uh, uh, two two very uh, dedicated listeners in Steve and Emma Reynolds who sit fifty fourth and fifty sixth. So doing pretty Where well so far. Um, Sammy, you are currently sitting thirty seventh. Nice. Picking up nice uh, 49 points this week, 497. I'm on 518 points um, and actually overtook you this week. So You uh, overtook me. Joy, I was above the joy you. joy of fantasy. I know. I was I was miles above you and then I made a bunch of transfers and ruined it all and um, over, oh, no, just mate. overthinking it. Um, no, You've got to let that quality, you've got to let that um, uh, value appreciate over time, you know? I mean, the smarts my, by you, Sammy, is just, you just capped. Captain Harland and basically just let it run from there and it works pretty well. Um, let's uh, change gears a little bit and we're going to talk about Fulham Women's who had a brilliant victory on the weekend. Uh, they beat Actonians in the Women's FA Cup. Uh, it was 1-0 uh, down up until the very last minute when Becky Stormer came in, first minute of injury time, scored a banging header from a corner, making it one all. The game went to penalties at that point, and I do have the rundown of the penalty shootout. Lily Lambert scoring the first, unfortunately Sasha Adamson missing, Maddie Parsonson scoring, Olivia Dale scoring, um, Stratton Clark missing, unfortunately, but Edie Bushell putting the final penalty away to win 4-3 on penalties. Now, uh, I mean, firstly, always a good result and always good to... Um, actually win an FA Cup tie, but even more impressive the fact that Actonians play in the league above us and are doing very well this season as well. I think they're sitting third, <laughs> sorry, third in their table at the moment. And uh, we've come away with a, a very good victory. Um, Dad and Sam, I mean, the magic of the FA Cup is that you get ties like this and you get to test yourselves against higher level opponents. How much confidence do you think the girls will be able to take forward from this game? Huge because I think the the there's probably quite big differences and big spectrums between um, you know these sides at this uh, what am I, am I trying to say at this point in the strata. Um, so if you can actually be competitive against a side above, I think that's exactly the kind of feedback you want to know that you're on track. Uh, notwithstanding the fact that it's so damn difficult to get out of a league, you could you could excel and have a couple of slip ups and still find yourself having to, you know, do it all again next season. Um, but I, as I've said before, I just I just hope that we as a club, uh, kind of looking to flood this and just pack these teams with, you know squads that are infinitely better than their peers so that we move up the grades. Yeah, I'm just happy that, like, mentally, like, um, uh, we can go up against, like, teams in the league above us and that doesn't really affect us too much and we can go into games and not only um, uh, play really competitively, but I, I love I love hearing any time we come back from one nil down to not only um, equalize but to also steal it. I just think that that's such such an important thing because it's so easy to get um, bogged down um, or oh, what's uh, I I I need I need an adjective, but um, not inferior. Um, well, maybe yeah. Like to go into a game with an inferiority complex, um, the the girls know their worth. They know what they're doing. They know the narrative. It's all part of the story. I love the story. I want everybody to know about it. It's great. The other well, thing we, is, it's easy. Yeah, go on. Easy to say. It's it's easy to say that these cup ties don't matter, and possibly more so if you lose and you have to fall over, but. Who doesn't love the bounce and the boy, the, you know, the, the the feeling around the change room when you have a win on penalties? That is a good injection. Oh, totally. that, that's a huge injection into the squad. Even if it's not a non-league match, it's it's a it's a win against, a, you know, a side in the league above 
and on penalties, which shows you, you, you know, you've really stood up. Well, n- not just the win on penalties as well. I, I mean, obviously winning on penalties, you do get that sort of boost of uh, adrenaline almost because it, sure. it, it is so life or death at that point. Um, but look, I, I have sort of reports from people who are at the game um, basically saying, look, we, we actually probably should have won this game within the 90 minutes, which shows how how well we played against a team who are doing well again in leagues above us um, without banging on about officials as we do sometimes. But um, it seems they were very card and flag happy a little bit and there were possibly a couple of opportunities for Fulham to score more goals in regular time and we may have actually got away with a win rather than having to go to penalties. First half definitely had the better chances, probably should have been one or two up going into half time. Um, Actonians did improve in the second half and, and pushed a lot, but um, look, they managed to score a pretty sloppy goal. I've seen a quick highlight of the goal and um, Williamson manages to sort of walk her way through the defence. Um, a pretty good finish in the end, but really it's it's a goal that we'd be disappointed conceding because um, you kind of, someone has to lay a tackle in, in that situation. It wasn't, you know, a Messi-esque run into the box and then an impossible finish. It's one of those where you really do need to lay a tackle. But look, Fulham didn't give up at that point, kept pushing and um, Becky Stormer with a, a wonderful goal off uh, Maddie Parsonson's cross. And um, I, I think the big thing to mention in the penalty shootout as well um, was, was the fact that um, Ellie Parker in goal pulled off three apparently superb saves. I'm really looking forward to seeing the highlights here, but was really the the key to the victory and um, surely walks away with player of the match in that instance, saving three penalties in a game and, and getting Fulham through to the first round proper of the FA Cup. Awesome. Um, if we have a look, so that tie was actually um, announced and Fulham will be playing against Portsmouth. So again, it's another game against a team who are playing above us. Uh, interesting fact here as well, um, Anisha Hill um, was previously dual registered with Portsmouth, but joined the club, um, I think, last season. Um, we do have Mia Attaway, who has actually been a fairly key part of the side so far this season. She's dual signed with Portsmouth Women, so be interesting to see um, how the cup tie works there. I'm sure both sides will be fighting to have her playing and starting in that game. But look. Um, I was talking to a few people about this and posing the question, and I pose it to both of you. The FA Cup obviously has the ability to throw out these kind of fixtures where you get to test yourself against a team in a higher league. But if you have a look, there's also a large number of sides who are playing at sort of um, level seven, uh, level six in the league structure. Obviously, Fulham sitting at level five. Would you guys have preferred to play a team lower down and therefore get deeper into the competition? Or do you think it's better to actually test yourselves against a team higher up, even though you might get knocked out of the the cup at this point? Look, I think if you're at level five, you have to be realistic and that, you know, there's a fair bit of water above you. So chances are you are going to come up against um, a, a lot of teams who are potentially stronger. But... I, you know, I think you, you, you can't overthink these uh, draws and rounds and it, it, it's way too early to be plotting your course to Wembley. Um, and I think you've just got to take it for what it is and I'm sure they'll be preparing a game at a time and and, and, and there's probably very little intel on these sides as well because they wouldn't be covered by the media. Um, there's probably you know, no video footage available. So incredibly difficult to know much about your opposition. It's literally park-level park cricket over again, Jack. But, you know, um, so I think you, you can't overthink it and just enjoy the challenge, really. And once you get, um, you know, two or three more deep, you can start dreaming and and, and thinking about what might be. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the girls really, really want to play against um, top opposition. I feel like it's really important to them just in terms of um, 
the way in which they see themselves. I feel like they um, they're obviously doing really, really strong in the league. But I think um, long term, they envision themselves in a certain light um, and being competitive in a certain way. Um, and I think the more that they can play against these teams, the more that they can um, kind of reflect them because it's it's all it's all well and good being um, a big fish in a small pond. But I think um, the girls have bigger ambitions for that. So even if um, we do get, get knocked out by a, a side like Portsmouth, I feel that um, the more opportunities we have to play teams like this is um, an opportunity for growth and an opportunity for learning, building, restructuring, and ultimately getting where we need slash want to be. Yeah, I, th I think that's a very fair point. Um, I think you do, when you come up against teams at this level, you just are able to watch the way they play. And I think when we spoke with Tia as well, she may have mentioned it, saying you learn so much from those games against those higher level opposition because they, they do play in a different structure and you see how quickly they pass the ball around and um, how well they hold their formation, how well they hold their shape and their movement on the pitch. So it, it is, it, it's a really good opportunity to come up against a team like Portsmouth. Um, they're, you know, they're doing really well in the league at the moment. Um we played them in pre-season actually back in July and lost to them 5-0. So it's also going to be a really good um, benchmark to see sort of how far we've come since then. Um, it, it's a it's a good Portsmouth side who are doing really well in the league so far. If I have a look at recent fixtures, I'm, I'm seeing 8-0 wins, 9-0 wins, 7-0 wins. Um, they're, they're a team who don't really lose a huge number of games in the National League and so it's it's going to be a tough game for for us, but I think we we should look at it as an opportunity to really test ourselves and see how far we've come because this season really does feel like a season where we've progressed so much compared to last year. Mm. Last year was a good season, but we've just taken that extra step this year. I, I've got no doubt that any professional sports person worth their salt utterly relishes the, the opportunity to face off against, you know, better opposition. You know, look, I, I'm not a very good squash player, but it's actually a joy to play against a great squash player mm. um, or, or any any sport that you're not particularly good at. Obviously, you may, you may not win, but that's you, you learn an awful lot. And I think I think the girls are all about embracing that on – on 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 their trajectory you know honestly even yeah. even if we even if we lose this game um it just just the opportunity the experience is just invaluable like um uh it's it's a bit of it's a bit of a stretch comparison but if you think of like um a side like into miami who've just benefited so much just from having a player like messi there and having um, the experience and understanding of how players like that play, and then they integrate that into their squad. The, just the more that this happens, and the more that the girls can go up against teams like this, they, even even if it's a loss, it's still a positive because everything can be taken back into the overall goal. Interested to think to find out who you think uh, our Fulham Messi is, Sammy. Well, it should be Gotto right now, but I, I can't tell that until he gets into the starting squad. But apparently, I mean, the um, women's team. Obviously, I, I think she, I think he Ooh. meant women's. Oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Again, like what? 12, 12, 15 over here for me. Um, Sophie oh. Messi. Sophie Messi. Yeah, <laughs> um, oh yeah, that's. I mean, it's probably got to be, doesn't it? I don't know. I haven't seen enough footage. Um, uh, but but we'll we'll like once once I get once I get that, and then I'll I'll see it. I'll see it. Uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a good test. Port Portsmouth, just having a look at the stats for the season yeah. so far in the league, they've scored thirty-seven goals in their eight games, uh, and conceded just two goals in the league. So they're obviously a very good side defensively. They are clinical going forward, averaging four goals a game, sometimes even putting far more than that past team. So a really good challenge for the girls. And I 
sure one they're really looking forward to. Great that it's a home tie as well at Motspur Park. So um, to anyone listening at the moment, uh, please do make an effort to get along to that game. I think that'll be an absolute barnstorming game. It's mm. due to be played on the 12th of November at 1pm. It's possible that that time will change. That's just the FA's suggested time slot. So do keep an eye on the fixtures. Uh, I assume that'll be confirmed fairly soon. One thing that was definitely confirmed, though, is Fulham returning back to the cottage again. Um, They'll be taking on the Arsenal Women's Academy. Now, this is in the Capital Women's Cup, which is a cup run just within London for London sides. Um, Arsenal Women's Academy won this last year. They they beat uh, AFC Wimbledon, who Fulham actually played at the cottage last season. Um, They beat them in the finals. So it's going to be a really good test. This Arsenal women's team um, played uh, in this cup last season and I think they put maybe 11 goals past one of the sides in our division. So we, it's going to be a real test. But again, it's it's one of those opportunities to get down to the cottage and support the women. As we see there, um, for those on the live stream, you'll see the ticket prices have been announced, £5 for adults, £1 for juniors. That's the kind of pricing that um, it, it should be for a game like this. And we really expect that um, people will put in a massive effort to actually get down and support the girls on uh, what will be a huge occasion. I think last season when they played at the Cottage, there were 3,500 there. It would be great to see us sort of hit that sort of 5,000 mark for this game mm. because it's a really great opportunity to get down to Craven Cottage for a game like this the week after that FA Cup tie as well. Um, but to to see the the women in action this is a really special Fulham women's team as well I don't think we've had such a talented squad since you know back in the days when we were winning the FA Cup um 20 odd years ago so it's really important that we do get down and support them because it's important as well that the club understands that there is support from the wider Fulham community and it's not just a handful of people who are excited about Fulham women's it's it's to show that there's a, a commercial benefit to this and, and that there should be more money invested in them and that we can hopefully get more games at the cottage as well. I know it's just an annual thing at this stage and meant to be just the one-off, but I, I I really would love to see a couple of league games a season be pushed forward at the cottage and especially in those international breaks. I mean, we just had a break mm. there where there were two free weeks and Fulham played three games at Motswell Park in that time. It'd be great to see us really push forward an agenda to actually get Fulham women's playing at the cottage far more often. Um, great to see that Ash is following along on our live stream saying that got their tickets this morning. I'm sure um, the kids will love that Ash. And uh, yeah, guys, do you have anything to add to that? Cause I think the main thing is just getting down and supporting. Yeah. Support, support is one thing. Um, I mean, look, there's, there's no two ways about it financially times are really really hard right now but and it's it's very difficult for a lot of people to constantly go to like games just because they cost a kidney for like the men's team um so it's just a really good opportunity to show like your love for the club and as well like girls deserve the support it's so accessible and affordable it's i feel like it's just a really really good way to support film across the board and yeah i mean Oh, for like for five five pounds, five pounds and one pound for juniors, it's. I mean, like, how can you really go wrong with that? You know, Dad. Yeah, nothing, nothing to add. I think everyone is well aware of how we feel about it, and uh, um, rah rah rah. You know, <laughs> don't say you didn't know. Rah, rah, yeah, well, rah. again, it's that's the important thing there is is making sure that this is well communicated and it's good to see that this this tweet wasn't tweeted just by the Fulham Women's account. It was actually tweeted by the main account, which obviously reaches more people. And, yeah, that, that's um, good. And, and hopefully we do get that really good turnout for it. I believe it's in the international break. Um, so there's, mm, there's no football on that weekend. Um, yeah, just just really meaning that everyone can get around focusing on supporting the Fulham women's in, in this amazing game at the Cottage. And, you know, hopefully you put up a good performance against Arsenal. It's going to be a tough game, but um, I'm sure they'll they'll put in a big effort in that game. Um, guys, before we do finish up, I do want to touch on the game coming up this weekend because um, we are taking on Brighton 
and I don't think we'll be talking before that game, um, which is due to be played on Sunday. Um, Tell us why, Jack. Tell us why we're not going to be talking tomorrow night, Jack. Well, it's just too close for for another podcast to be done. No, it's actually my my (laughs) wife, your daughter-in-law, and your sister-in-law's birthday tomorrow, so... Um, just shows where where our minds lie with the podcast, rather than actually <laughs> sitting down and talking full. And we're we're celebrating family members. It's it's disgusting. Yeah. But I um, I can't believe I can't believe you turned down an invitation for her to actually feature on the podcast on her behalf before giving her the opportunity to actually live it up. It does seem think- rude. My birthday present to her is not asking her to join in on the podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. I'd love mum to come on this podcast and just be really confused and annoyed the whole time. And she <laughs> would hate it just as much. And it's just never going to happen. I'm um, not buying that. Mum would love to be here, but she'd be confused and annoyed and very... Um, well, she's she's done she's done it live with us and she was got confused at half time. She yeah, thought it true. should be over by that point. Um, but look, yeah, talking of the game against Brighton, um, Brighton currently sitting seventh in the league. They just don't look the same Brighton side as they have done in the past few years. Um, still going to be a tough test, though. Um, Dad, your thoughts going into this game? Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not optimistic. Um, we, we've got a huge problem in terms of scoring goals. They worked us out very, very well last time. And I know this is a different season and perhaps they're not having... No, I, I'm, I'm I'm bothered. I'm bothered. I I, I I echoed that a lot. Um, uh, a, a bad Brighton, the Brighton is still a very methodical... Um, like, I'm not sure if you guys have seen like too much of them play. They do this really creepy thing where like they play kind of like slowly. I know this was more last season, but they play quite slowly and they just kind of like work you out a little bit. It's very menacing. It's like a spider like <laughs> summing up its prey. Like I I I will never I will not um write off this modern day Brighton. I genuinely I'm actually quite stressed about it because I feel in, in terms of depth and the way that squad is run, I feel that uh, they can do a lot of damage to us. I, I, I don't know. Hopefully well, there's some revelations between now and now and yeah, the weekend. Well, the thing, I mean, not to foreshadow the next, you know, numerous weeks in an overly negative tone. It, 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 it's it's going to be very difficult until we find a way to score goals, particularly, you know, relying on our guys up front. It You know, you go into every game thinking, well, how are we going to do this? You know? Yeah, I hate going into games like that. I hate going into games just being like, what deus ex machina can happen to like, like, will, will, will a comet hit the ground and then give us some space to open up? I don't I don't know. Like it's this is probably the most mid-table, um, and I, again, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but this is the most lower mid-table we've felt in a while, and oh my, like I don't, I feel that you know how like even Scott Parker season we went into every game being like we've got nothing to lose, we're underdogs, and last season we went into every game being like we can do anything, like we're, like. Uh, the wind is in our sails this season. I don't really know how I feel and I don't really like it. It's the, the devil, you know, is better than the devil. You don't, you know? Yeah, look, um, I, I do agree. I feel like I can't really see a path to victory for us when we seem to be so, um, flaccid in front of goal for want of a better term. Um, we we just I, I, you have to score goals to win games, and if you're not scoring goals, you can't win games. The one thing about this Brighton side is they've been fractionally hot and cold this season. I know they've had some good results. They beat Newcastle, they beat Man United, um, but they did lose three one to West Ham, who don't look that crash hot this year. They lost six one to Aston Villa, who are a good side, but again, oh, not a six one side. side. Oh, I don't not know about a six one side though. Um, and look, they, they've had a couple of good performances recently, a two-all draw with Liverpool, a 2-1 loss to Man City. They, it's going to be a tough game, but um, 
I think there's a possibility of uh, maybe a little bit of a smash and grab, similar to how we played against them when we played them at the Amex last season, um, when you know we really didn't create anything and Solomon scored late in the game off the back of a another really nice layoff from Vinny. Um, I, I think that's the only way we're going to win this game, though. Realistically, I, I don't see us um, slowly working Brighton out and and eking out a win. I see it as yeah. a smash and grab on a counter attack. Yeah, I agree. Um, and look, maybe everything turns around and Jimenez starts and scores his first goal after 10 minutes and then he goes absolutely ballistic and starts scoring overhead kicks and back heels and all that jazz. But, uh, I mean, it, that feels like a bit of a fantasy at the moment. Um, one that I will hopefully close my eyes and, and think about tonight, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, nah, you don't need to go any further yeah, than that. Yeah, Let's call yeah. it there. <laughs> so, look, guys. Um, uh, yeah, there's, there's. It, I want to say that I'm excited for the game this weekend. I'm not overly. I'm but always. I'm, very I'm always. Happy. I always look forward to a game. I always uh, look forward to the game. Yeah. I just don't look forward sure. to the actual result at the end of it. But um, look, I. I no, I'm, I am looking. You, you asked us how we're going to do it. How are we going to win? You know, and I can't tell you that. I always look forward to the game. I just can't tell you how we're going to win. Yeah. Um. But look, I think the big thing is that the news that Silver signed this contract. I think going into a run of pretty tough fixtures, having that in the back of my mind, knowing that we've got. Um, a bit of direction going forward does fill me with a little bit of satisfaction and a little bit of positivity. So um, that's definitely something to hold on to, I think, and really cuddle at night when we, we look at the league table in a couple of weeks' time. Um, but, Sammy, thank you for joining us tonight. I know it's late. Uh, hopefully we haven't kept you up too late this time. No, it's not too bad. I, it just came to me. I know how we win. We wear the pink. We haven't done it yet. That's the only thing we haven't done this season that I feel that we can do. Ooh, that's cool. on the table. I feel that pink will inspire the boys. I don't know why we haven't done it yet. I feel that Silver's got an aversion to it. It's my one gripe with Marco Silva at the moment. Um, I want to see the pink. Hopefully I see it on the weekend. Don't know if I will, but I feel that that could change everything. And yeah, no, I've had fun. Um, uh, you, you haven't kept me up too late, which is good. And yeah, I'll 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 sleep tight knowing that pink is on the way. Okay, sure. Um, Dad, okay. thank you as well for joining us. Uh, yeah, uh, it's been a pleasure. Nice to nice to to chat about Fulham. Yeah, and, and thank you to everyone who's joined along on our live stream, especially um, Colm uh, and Ash with FFC and me. It's been great to interact with you guys during the podcast and um, we do appreciate all the support we get um, on the live streams and also uh, just in general on social media. It's um, great to see the podcast continuing to grow and great to see new people engaging with us all the time. So really do appreciate any new listeners out there and um, please do continue to share That's So Craven with other Fulham fans um, so that we can continue to grow and continue to support all aspects of the um, Fulham community. So Thank you again, everyone, and until next time, come on, you whites.